what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan Jackson. I am co-founder and co-director of the Foot Candle Film Society and the annual Foot Candle Film Festival here in Western North Carolina. With me across the table is Chris Fry, the other co. Because when you have a co, you've got to have another co. That's kind of the way it works. In theory. You are the other co. So co-director, co-founder of Foot Candle Film Society. How are you doing, Chris? I am doing well, as always, looking forward to talking about movies. Yeah, well, we've got two movies we'll be discussing today on the show. Our typical format for the show is we'll review two films, back-to-back reviews, give you our thoughts and opinions. We'll move into a couple movie news items that we have to share of some upcoming productions or interesting casting choices. And in one case, I'm going to bring up. Also, we'll have a trailer I want to throw on you. I haven't watched yet, so you and I are going to watch it together for the first time today. Alan, it's a shame our selections today are so similar because I feel like people are going to get bored. I I agree. Talking about two things that are just, I mean, it's apples to apples here. It's just going to be very mundane. It's very similar. It's almost like I have to remind myself which film I'm talking about. (laughs) On one side, we have uh, the latest comedy starring Kristen Wiig. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Followed by a review of the documentary Stray, a documentary about stray dogs that live in Budapest on the streets. Yes, exactly. It's almost exactly the same film (laughs) that we're talking about. There will be a few differences, I'm sure we'll point out during our reviews of those two. If you listen closely, you can try to spot the difference. That's right. That's the two films we'll be discussing. A little bit of movie news and some trailer, trailer buzz we'll be talking about. And then uh, our recommendations, which are, I've already copped out, Chris. I got nothing. Okay. I mean, I'm going to let you give your recommendation. And if I can come up with one in the next 45 minutes that we're talking, I will bring it up. Tell you what, if you don't, I'll try to go for two. If you got two, that would be awesome. And I can just kind of adopt one as mine for the <laughs> okay. episode. Okay. I, uh, I have been uh, screening films for a children's film festival, which has been great, but it has been consuming my time for the past week. So I really haven't caught up on anything else I could recommend at this point. So Understood. I feel like I'm falling down the job a little bit, but uh, hopefully after all the years we've been doing this podcast, this would be the first time I did not have an official recommendation. So it's an impressive hopefully I can, uh, yeah. I can be okay with that. So. Let's go ahead and though jump into our first review, Chris. It is the film Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Oh, I was just playing with this lamp. Oh. <laughs> I'm Star, short for Starbra. Assume yours is Barbara. Nope, just Barb. Plain old Barb. I want to thank Barb and Star for hosting tonight's talking club and for making their hot dog soup. I like the salt. I like the hot dog. It's not as runny as it usually is. Ah, what is she throwing? 
I hope she gives me bigger teeth. Love big teeth. She loves big teeth. Even if it's just two eyes on a bunch of teeth. It would be so nice. Look, my new phone case. <laughs> I love it! It's like I'm listening to the ocean. Wait, we don't have cell phones. I know I'm gonna take it home and glue it to our landline. I'm Barb, and this is Star. Roll number again, please, sir. Six eleven. Six eleven? Oh my, Barb! Oh my gosh, she's six eleven. Six eleven? We're in one twenty four. Chris, with the film Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. We have stars Kristen Wiig and Annie Mamolo starring as Barb and Star, lifelong friends who decide to embark on the adventure of a lifetime. They decide to leave their small Midwestern town for the first time ever to go explore Vista Del Mar and all the fun and frolicking in the sun that has to go with it. Little do they know, there's also some sinister plans under the surface that you learn about pretty early on in the film um, from a villain who's also played by Kristen Wiig. I think it's okay to say that should be pretty clear at this point. And uh, she has nefarious plans for releasing a swarm of killer mosquitoes on the people of Vista Del Mar (laughs) as revenge for the life that she feels like she uh, was uh, denied denied tragically growing up. Um, And I just have to say the name of the villain, Sharon Gordon Fisherman, which I think is hilarious, but (laughs) That's the nut film in a nutshell. And as you can probably tell from that description, it's a pretty absurd zany comedy. Okay. It is, uh, my question to you though, Chris is with this kind of uh, talent in front of the camera with, uh, this kind of absurdist comedy that we've got where you don't really know where it's going half the time. And they throw in some really, really, you know, odd choices uh, as mm-hmm. far as, uh, the humor they throw in. I know you and I were, you were a fan of the film MacGruber when we yes. actually ended up seeing that. You did yes. like MacGruber. I did. I think you've been a fan of like Anchorman, you know, the original Anchorman as well. Interesting you mentioned Anchorman. Yeah. Does this film place itself in those echelon of those mad, odd, absurdist comedies from the last 10, 15 years? Or did this not quite fall in that level? Or did it fall really fall below for you? Where, I, where did it go? I think it is a kinder, gentler Anchorman and MacGruber, Mm -hmm. Um, but the type of randomness that you have with both of those, like that was Will, one of Will Forte's first movies, if not maybe his first. Will Ferrell. Oh no, um, I was talking about MacGruber. Oh, MacGruber, yeah, MacGruber Forte. He was in some other films, but that was his first. Like, like, I think that's his only. He's the star of the film. Star, yeah. Yeah. And then Anchorman, yeah, Will Ferrell. Um, So yeah, kind of to me, I could see how you could relate to those, but it's kind of a kinder, gentler, softer Mm -hmm. edged. Um, I mean, this is PG-13. I'm not sure if Anchorman was R or not. but P- Anchorman was PG-13, but they released a director's R. cut version okay. on DVD, I believe. Yeah, Got you. Um, and actually, what a, I feel like this is kind of a Kristen Wiig, and um, I guess Amy Mamolo also helped with Bridesmaids. I can't remember if she was. So Mamolo was a writer, she was just co-writer. A Kristen Wiig was as well. Was but I don't think Mamolo was in Bridesmaids in, unless she had a very small part. Gotcha. Whereas Wig was. Yes. So to me, what this felt like too was they had a really funny idea. And I think, you know, they had some framework and obviously, you know, to get cast and everything. But they did a lot of improvising. Mm-hmm. Now, 
I'm sure there was also, obviously, a framework for Anchorman. And I think that was a really good point of comparison. That's why I'm jumping back to it. But there was also a lot of vamping there by, you know, Will Ferrell. Mm -hmm. And it worked for me. And this worked for me. Now, I think it may be kind of a lightning in a bottle type situation. Whereas if Kristen Wiig and Amy Mumolo are given like another movie, you know, if they try to do kind of the same type framework again, I think it'll probably be diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. But... Since this was an original idea, jokes were coming at a pretty rapid pace. So, yes, some of them you may have, A, not gotten, or B, just thought were stupid. But if you waited just a little bit, then there'd be something that you would think was really funny. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, not everything worked in this. But for comedies, you know, as long as 80% of it works for you. And for this one, it did. And I, I don't know as well. Because, you know, every other movie that's come out this year, we didn't see this movie in the theater. We saw it at home. Um, I don't know if it actually has a little bit of an advantage mm -hmm. from the pandemic bump where you just want something mindless. And this is pretty mindless. And I think that's, that's the intent. It's like, hey, and I think one of the taglines they had on like the movie posters advertising it for was, you know, the friendship we all want, the vacation we all need, because obviously it centers around the friendship between Barb and star and then them going off on a vacation. Wouldn't all of us like to just go off on a vacation <laughs> right now? Maybe not to a place that's going to be invest infested with monster mosquitoes or whatever, but, well, but you know, <laughs> we, they didn't know that going into right. it. So this, it is all good. this is true. Um, so, um, I, I, I enjoyed it. How, okay. how about you, Alan? I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Okay. I, to me, it is, it is pretty close up there with Anchorman. It actually, to me, goes even more absurdist than Anchorman. Cause even Anchorman relished in the characters. The sure. characters were, were absurd. Right. But the situation that they were in, the There's environment was fairly, fairly benign. This is not only our Barb and Star just interesting caricature character people. But everybody around them is absurdist, and it's just the whole situation is absurd. So I loved it. This film had me from the opening credits. Yes. And I uh, – Please share with me what yeah. you share with me. So I'll just Part say this. You watch the opening credits. About three minutes in, I honestly – I seriously did. I'm watching this at home on my, on my streaming box – and I had to do a quick little pause and check to make sure I had rented the right movie. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I don't know where this is going. I'm liking it. I just don't, this nothing so far has matched the description of the film that I've read, <laughs> right. but I love that. The fact that they just went, I mean, they don't even hold back. It's like in the first five minutes, I was like, no, okay, this is going to be a bonkers comedy and yeah. it's going to be out in left field. And it's going to be the kind of film that, you know, the writers just got around and said, would not, wouldn't this be funny if all of a sudden this happened or this person showed up and that's what they went with. And it was great. So I, I laughed. I had such a good time with this. Good. good um, good. to me, it is up there in the MacGruber anchorman and dare I say hot rod category. I do not hold that film in as much esteem mm. as you do. Um, pop star. Yes. Okay. Not, pop star. Yes. Pop star is similar to it as well. Okay. That same style comedy, which, okay. you know, it's been a little while since we've had a really good one of those. So I think that's, that's been great. Um, you know, Kristen Wiig, uh, let me just talk about acting for a little bit. Sure. Uh, Kristen Wiig, I think, is a really great comedian. I've struggled a little bit with her as an actress. I thought really? she was good in Wonder Woman. I thought she was one of the good things in Wonder Woman 1984. Okay. In general, some of the more dramatic stuff she's done, I think she's been good, but nothing's blown me away. She is still just, to me, I think this is the type of part she revels in where she can just explore a character and just go crazy with it. Gotcha. And she inhabits 
star incredibly well. I mean, to where it's just, again, I love saying the phrase that you forget you're watching the actress after a while, but yeah, she was star after about 10, 15 minutes into this film. For sure. But I'll tell you, Annie Momolo, I, you know, I kind of go in in this film thinking, okay, so she's normally been the writer or maybe doing small parts on stuff. Wig's going to be the comedy to force in this film. No, no. Annie Momolo, totally like they are on even playing fields. They both got equal amount of laughs out of me. Which I think is um, kind of important since it yeah. is Barb and Star. It's mm-hmm. not just like Bar goes to this. Or That's right. I was happy to see that they really each just played off each other so well. You get the impression that these are two two comedians, two people, two writers that have found these voices of these two characters and have done this so much in their personal lives. You feel like they call each other and probably have yeah, a conversation. That's right. And now they're like, well, let's just turn it into a movie now. So Absolutely. that's what's great about it. So, uh, so much fun. And as good as Kristen Wiig was, I thought as star, I thought her Sharon Gordon Fisherman as the villain was really good. It I, was. I, you know, it tiptoed around the stereotypical villain in a comedy, the, the kind of the, what's the one from the Austin powers. Um, Oh yeah. Um, Dr. Evil, Dr. Evil. I mean, it kind of prances around that area, but there's enough nuance where it's just some idiosyncrasies about her and just enough oddness and uniqueness that I thought really made that villain stand out. So I loved it. I loved all the scenes with the villain. So something that stood out to me and it helped, it helped, her villain of Fisherman, Sharon mm-hmm. Fisherman, kind of be unique was the relationship that she had with a henchman, or yes. did she really have a relationship with the henchman, played by Jamie Dornan. And yes. you may know him from, well, you and I unfortunately did watch the original Fifty Shades of Grey. We did. To talk about it here on the podcast for fun. Um, but um, I haven't, I don't really know a lot of movies he's been in. But I knew him because, like, you know, I was like, that guy looks familiar. I looked him up. I was like, okay, he's the Fifty Shades guy. Um, and he's done other things, but like that's what I knew him from. And I was knocked out at how awesome he was at just kind of playing this. He's like a henchman. He goes there and tries to like infiltrate this resort and kind of set everything up for the mosquito invasion. <laughs> um, but he has this relationship with a uh, fisherman, Sharon Fisherman. And you know, he's, he's obviously kind of you know, trying to find his way or whatever. But, and he interacts, of course, with Barb and Star. Yeah. And the way he just like sits there and plays the straight man for their like weird kind of comedy that they're doing. There's a scene at a bar where they're like meeting him and it's even in the trailer, but that doesn't spoil everything. But like the way they're talking, he's just kind of sitting there kind of like, okay, like Mm -hmm. they're just kind of accepting, but doing it in kind of a genial way. Like it's just, I don't know. I, I think it, I don't, I think they really found somebody that was perfect. Like I can't imagine anybody else playing that role because then he has some other times where he has to be dumb. He has a musical yeah. number and I think he just, <laughs> he freaking nails it. You know? No, the musical number is great. I, I will say this. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear. Janie Dorman or Dornan is not into comedy. I, I, I tell you, but that kind of makes no, it, that it works. Much better. No, it works. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious when he's with uh, 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 Mamelo and wig, he's, he's out of his element, oh, yeah. but it works. You're right. right. In that point. I mean, they're running circles around him from the comedy thing. He's basically just responding in just in flabbergasted at times or in all of them. <laughs> right. And that works, but um, See, he definitely played the, the part. The mistake would have been to have another comedian, but no, yeah, he, yeah, just, no. he gets to just be some random person. What I thought, I thought the times are where they really let him cut loose, like the music video sequence <laughs> was really great. And uh, 
that's the kind of moment where you just, when he starts breaking in the song and you, you get this total eighties music vibe video, uh, vibe. Um, I think the movie hit another level for me at that point. So I'm like, yep. Okay. I'm totally on board with where they're going on this. That was great. There were things, you know, I'll just give quick, you know, instead of doing like a Saturday night live bit where we just say, Hey, do you remember that Mm -hmm. scene? That was great. Like a Chris Farley, but I'll say that kind of, there were three different scenes. I won't go into long explanations, but just say these were moments in the film that really worked for me. And I just, you know, I knew that I was in the right kind of film, even though, yes, yeah, some things don't always mm-hmm. land. Uh, Tommy Bahama. Yes. Uh, Morgan Freeman making his cameo. Morgan Friedman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. And uh, Kulots. There's the yeah, chaos. Kulots. So the, there's just, you know. It's, I can add to that. Um, okay. Yo-Yo. Oh. <laughs> and uh, The Listening Club. Oh, I love yeah. the listening club. I thought the listening club was great. And I think a mistake would have been without delving into what that is specifically. So we don't ruin anything. Like if you would have focused so much time in their town before they left or a whole movie mm. just centered around their lives in this town and how good friends they are, that would have grown tiresome. But the fact they have the idea, okay, we established their friendship. We established some things that go on, but then we take them out of their element and put them. So we don't spend a movie developing their town and yeah. then the sequel is taking them to another place. Like right. that's not what they do. And I think that just shows that they know like, no, we know exactly how to lay these jokes out. Yeah. I think. They basically gave us a, a three or four minute scene when we first meet Barb and star and they just have a conversation in that three or four minute scene you know pretty much all you need to know about Barb and Star to enjoy the rest of the film. So that, that, that does it for you. Uh, I'll say yo-yo listening club. Uh, one thing I thought didn't work as well, okay. which, you know, I was a little disappointed. Um, Darley Bunkle, the, the spy Surpri- or the secret, uh, secret henchman. Surprising that they, I thought it was funny, but then they didn't really develop it anymore. Well, and it was, uh, you know, we've got, um, Damon Wayans. Damon right? Wayans playing. And right. I don't even know if we really ever clearly see his face much. Uh-huh. And that's part of the joke is he's supposed to be kind of this undercover, very secretive guy, but sure. it's doing a horrible job of it. But uh, that was a, that was a character they introduced. I thought used the line, the moments were funny, but it just kind of felt like it was a, another wasted little subplot that sure. got us away from things. Uh, and, and you got a funny actor in Marlon Wayans. So I was kind of he's disappointed. Who was, so much. Yeah. I just yeah. surprised they didn't use him more or, do more with that character. Sure. Um, that was one little disappointment for me or something I didn't think worked as well. But otherwise, I don't really have any any criticism of the film beyond that. I mean, it is what it is, and, <laughs> and it's really good at it. So, um, And this is one of those instances where, you know, as per usual, if you're interested in a movie, it's not going to spoil all the movie. This is a good trailer. Watch it, and if you're like, yeah, that just seems like that's not my bag, then steer clear yeah, because yeah. it kind of sets you in for what you're going to be up. For. No, if you're if you're if you're not into the bizarre comedies, you'd rather just see a little more straightforward comedy. This this isn't it. This isn't Kristen Wiig just doing a character for an hour and a half, like an SNL skit movie for an hour and a half. No, this is this goes a little further in places, a little more bizarre. So, uh, but I like it for that. So it worked really well for me. So I had a great time. I'm a uh, yeah, I mean, I only rented it for the forty-eight hours, but this is, may have to be one I have to figure out how to how to add at some point and watch more often. So, definitely enjoyed it. Uh, anything else? Any other comments on Barb and Star? Go to Vista Del Mar. No, I think um, the thing I'll close with too. We we've talked about a lot of aspects, but the the friendship aspect I feel like you know was important, and you do feel like these people are lifelong friends. Oh, like yeah. in the opening minutes, they lose their jobs, they get, and then they 
go on vacation, they get kicked out of a hotel that they're not supposed to be in. But like the way they react and the way they also kind of just try to make the best of everything and everything's always going to be rosy and peachy, but you, you just really admire their friendship and you can tell that, you know, you think, and maybe in real life that Wig and Mumalera are really like that. You know, they just, yeah. they appreciate each other that much. So Chris, if Barb and Star had a chance to go to another location in another movie, in other words, a series of Barb and Star go to whatever <laughs> movies uh, or locations. So are you on board for that? You know, like I you concerned about diminishing returns on this. I am because yeah. this was so unique. Like, I mean, I guess I would give a second one maybe a shot because I did like this one enough, but I, I, I would be concerned that maybe it would just be diminishing, yeah. diminishing returns. Could be. I'd love to see them explore this, but um, yeah, at the same time, I don't want it to be where, yeah, I'm going to, it's going to be less than the, the first to, to some degree. So uh, we'll see if they continue on or not. I mean, I think it's done pretty well for a streaming title. This one, I think, would have had a challenge in the movie theater from a marketing perspective, just right. trying to get people out. And comedies are just very tough to get a like big MacGruber audience for anyway. Kind of oh, like MacGruber did nothing. Audience, it was a right? huge bomb in the movie theater. Um, I think this would have been a disappointment in the movie theater, but yet well-liked and get a cult status following going straight to online. You kind of jump right to that cult status a little bit quicker, you know, and get people on board that wouldn't have gone to the movie theater to see it. Well, that, you know, obviously all the buzz that I heard about it was from kind of independent movie critics that Mm -hmm. were just like, you know, this movie's amazing. And I was like, (laughs) well, okay. So I tried not to go in with really high expectations because I knew it was kind of a offbeat comedy, but yeah, I, I thought it was still worthwhile. All right, great. Well, that is Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. It is available for rental or purchase from all of the traditional video on demand services, Apple, Amazon, um, you know the rest. That's that's where <laughs> it is. So, Chris, let's go ahead and flip over to our second review, which is okay. a film that we are currently hosting on the Foot Candle Online Cinema. So you can actually visit footkindle.org and go to our online cinema and watch this movie right now. It is a documentary called Stray. The documentary Stray takes place in Turkey and follows around a couple of stray dogs as they go about their daily life. We've seen slice-of-life documentaries before, but this one in my mind kind of sets itself apart by being almost completely from the animal's perspective. Yes, there are some notable human interactions, but the main focus is on the dogs. Um, How well did this work for you, Alan, and did it set itself apart from something you might see on, like, Animal Planet? All right. First question. It didn't really work for me. Okay. Um, I am an animal. I love animals. I love animal documentaries. But you really like cats. <laughs> no, I like cats too. I'm. I'm. Uh, what's the word? I'm, I'm universal acceptance okay. to all all household pets. Sure. Uh, I do love dogs. I'm a dog owner. Always have been. Um, but uh, this, 
I don't know, Chris, this, this documentary just didn't work, which was really a shame and disappointment for me because it seemed right up my alley. Okay. I, I am, and, and I'm not faulting the film for its slice of life approach because some of the best documentaries I've recommended before have been ones that were truly just slice of life, just a cameras, a fly on the wall, just showing you what's going on and you can make your own interpretations about what it means or what it says to you. So I was really looking forward to that. The concept of it, you know, here in, in, uh, in, uh, Istanbul. Yeah. In Istanbul, they outlawed not several years ago that you could not, uh, kill. You could not kill stray dogs. You couldn't bring that, them in. They had this big problem. And yes. They're like, okay, people just went out and started eliminating dogs. Yes. Yeah. And they got so much protest from the public that they banned that. So now stray dogs are just allowed to roam everywhere in the street. And you can't. Which is something I'd never you, heard of. I mean, either. And you can't get, you don't get rid of them. You don't rope, get up, bring them in. You just let them go. Right. So that's why this was like an ideal spot for this type of documentary to kind of see these, the life of these several dogs as they're just exploring the streets. Mm-hmm. But it became pretty obvious to me about, you know, five, 10 minutes in that that was, that was all we we're going to be doing. And although, again, I'm not faulting the, the, the type of film that it is. I just, I don't feel like there was much there. I felt like we we're watching dogs for a good hour and 10, 12 minutes and I understand what the messaging is. The messaging is that, you know, these these dogs are, you know, they're having some interaction with uh, interesting slice of life people, you know, and you're here, you're picking up on conversations that are just kind of in mid-conversation that you're starting to see that, oh, hey, here's a couple having a relationship issue. Here's some guys who are uh, refugees from Syria kind of talking. Right. I mean, some interesting things to kind of observe as a dog, but yet I I didn't get it. I guess that's the best way to say it, yeah, it didn't yeah. work for me. And I uh, still try to put my head around why, but I, I just, I had a hard time getting into this film and getting any kind of real appreciation out of it. So Chris, I want to hear your thoughts. So I think, um, you know, for me, I knew going in that it was going to be very kind of observational. I knew there were going to be no talking heads. Right. I knew all this stuff. Um, so I think I ended up appreciating it a little bit more than you. Okay. Um, I liked the way they kind of a lot of times did just point of view dog shots following around. I liked the fact that they had these quotes that came up and kind of not that they were really chapters, but they kind of if you read the quotes and then watched what followed afterwards, you could kind of maybe it seemed more important because it was like they were setting the stage for what they were about to show. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of showed a little bit more effort, um, maybe I thought. And um, I think there's the film, like you mentioned, is only about 72 minutes. So mm-hmm. it's not even an hour and a half. And I feel like they kind of used the time they had and were pretty ef- effective with it. They'd focused on three main dogs, I think. Um, and I think that helped. It wasn't like they just kept on jumping from dog right. to dog to dog. And there was dog. one dog that was kind of your main follow, uh, Zayton. Right. Um, that you followed for the most part. You kind of, I guess you could say was the star more. Right. And it's the one that you kind of connected with a little bit more. Had a great expressive face and they got some great footage of him. Um, you know, again, I, I, I think filming dogs is, yeah, and animals in general is extremely challenging. So I'm I'm giving Elizabeth Lowe, the the writer director, a lot of props for just getting some great footage of these dogs and especially their expressive faces. 
um, as they're just hanging out in the streets and just kind of, you know, you wonder if they're just contemplating their life or what they're doing. I love that. Now that was great. But anyway, I'm sorry. I interrupted you there. So I I can see. um, And I think some of the things you referenced to, you know, you see relationships starting up, stopping, you see, and I think this is where maybe if the documentarians had forced it, which may have, it may have come across as being forced. Maybe it's better. They didn't, but there's also this obvious kind of parallel between the Syrian refugees and the dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, And you kind of see how they're, you know, don't have ideal living conditions. They're kind of outcast, obviously. And then you see the strays are kind of suffering sometimes to get meals, wander around. And you kind of see the parallels there. There's a point where the police arrest some of the Syrian refugees and they take away their dog, their, Mm. their stray dog that they basically kind of adopted making a not too subtle point, (laughs) but, but I thought that was, I thought it was interesting, but it wasn't so heavy that it kind of took away maybe from some lighter aspects of the film. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I guess I had a good enough time. I'll say too, that, um, the way they followed the dogs and some of their cinematography, it reminded me of another film that came out last year called the truffle hunters. And it was about a group of men with dogs who hunt for truffles in the forests of Italy Yeah, and the way they kind of followed her. And it was very kind of similar and experiential. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you, if you sound, or you think you're interested in this film, if you check it out and you like it, I would also, you know, maybe recommend truffle hunters cause it's kind of similar in that aspect that there's not a, really a whole lot to it. Yeah. Um, this one really centers on the dogs a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I liked it. Um, but I think, it's not like you come away having learned something. So it's not a documentary that's going to give you any, but other than the fact of which you learned this in the opening minutes, because they put up a title card that says, here's the situation in Turkey and specifically in Istanbul. And you're kind of like, huh, that's interesting. (laughs) My wife who was, who was a vet, um, the whole time we were watching it, she's just like, yeah, but how do they, you know, how do they do this with all the dogs? I'm like, I I don't know. Cause she was just saying like, how are there not just, a hundred million dogs everywhere. Yeah. And I think at one point they do reference how there is like a clinic where I Mm -hmm. guess you can maybe take the dogs if they seem sick and they can get healthcare that way. Or maybe they do provide a little bit of, um, like they can spay or neuter them. So that way it doesn't get completely out of control. But I guess, like you said, the point was you may not kill them. Right. You you can't get rid of them. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think that I think the point you just hit on is I I didn't know what I was coming away from this with. Sure. Other than I saw some dogs, which I like dog footage. I like watching <laughs> dogs, but um, I, I felt like this could have been maybe a more effective short documentary film. I see. Like okay. 10, 15 minutes long okay. to just help you understand this is the situation in this country with dogs. And here, let's watch as the dogs kind of go through parts of their day and you get a sense of what life is like on the streets there. Gotcha. At, at an hour 12, I mean, Grant, it's a short movie, but it's sure. still an hour 12 of just following dogs around. So unless there were, I guess, better threads that they could pick up to warrant the feature length, you're saying a short, I can, I can see that. Because again, the premise is interesting. And Mm -hmm. and again, I I do like learning about, you know, another culture and some of the footage of just, you know, the, the dogs interacting with people, you got, saw a nice cross section of different people on the streets of Istanbul, which is great as well. I just, I came away just at the end saying, I, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm getting from this. I don't know what it is. I'm supposed to be, 
feeling or thinking or seeing after after all this, I, I don't have any opinion. I mean, that's the thing. Okay. And I think after watching a documentary, you should have some form of opinion. Sure. And I didn't have anything after this. So that's, that was the gap for me, I believe. Kind of yeah. a missed opportunity. I think at one point they show strays. Uh, maybe It may have just been the one, um, Zayton, but maybe it would have been another one as well. There were they had they had the one thread of the Syrian refugees. Mm-hmm. Another time they showed them wandering around, and it was like they got into the middle of a protest mm-hmm. or something. Now, maybe if I was from Turkey or had, was living in Istanbul, I would have more of a sense of like what was going on. And that could it? have framed and made it a little bit more interesting, maybe. Yeah. But instead, you just you're it's kind of like you're a dog. You don't really know what's you just, going on. You don't know what's going on. You're just seeing a bunch <laughs> so, of people walking around and. Uh, yeah, you don't really get any context for it. So. And providing a little bit more context maybe would have helped you kind of immerse yourself a little. Yeah, more. I did not want a narrator. I didn't want like you know text on the screen every shot type of thing. Gotcha. But just I, I was just looking for something, something more out of this, and I don't feel like I got it. Again, I'll give credit to you know writer director Elizabeth Lowe for great f- photography, being able to capture some great movements and, and faces of dogs. And the concept of helping us understand what's going on in Istanbul when it comes to these dogs, I just, well, and I just, was, I just, I wish there was more of a, I wish there was more of a point. I wish there was more of an impact out of this. And I, I saw during the credits because I was kind of curious, so I wanted to pay attention. They filmed all this from 2017 to 2019, so you're talking about taking two years of following a bunch of stray dogs. So. To boil it all down to 72 minutes, we're saying maybe they could have boiled it down a little more, but still impressive that you're trying to compress all this stuff sure. and give us a feel. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it sounds like I was a little more favorable. You were definitely more positive. Again, I'm not trying to say it's a bad film. It's sure. just, I think, you know, your opening question was, did it work for me? And I, I got to say no. Say no. Um, but I, I think I can understand the reasons. And, gotcha. you know, I will say this. If you're not a dog lover, you probably definitely won't get anything much out of this. <laughs> If you really are into dogs and animals or animal welfare, I think there's it's an interesting watch. I just just don't go in expecting to kind of walk away with anything enlightening, anything revolutionary, anything that really makes you think much deeper. Because I just don't feel like it's there. Okay. But um, but if you want to just get a good slice of life of okay, this is what life is like on the streets of Istanbul from a dog's perspective, where dogs are allowed to run free with no repercussion repercussions then you got something you got something to watch i just it just did not click for me so fair yeah. enough and i hate saying that because stray is on our foot candle online cinema and i'd like to encourage people to go see it on the foot candle online cinema sure so i am a little mixed bag in saying that it didn't really work for me it may work for you so uh uh definitely give it a shot it is on the foot candle online cinema at this moment you can watch and stream at your own leisure for a very uh, uh nice nominal ticket price so we do encourage you to do that. Um, but yeah, that's where I am with it. So I'll say too, um, if you were going to throw out that little band for online cinema, we also have a lot of the Oscar nominated short films. So if you've been wanting to catch up with those, cause you had heard about them or didn't have a chance to see them. Um, that's one place you can go is our online cinema. And we have the animated, the documentary shorts and also the, um, live action shorts there, that which, you, you know, out. If Stray had been one of the Oscar nominated, uh, one of the short documentaries, uh, then maybe it would have been one of those Oscar nominated ones uh, in my book. Anyway, that is Stray, again, written and directed by Elizabeth Lowe. It is available on the Foot Candle Online Cinema, as well as I think some other uh, film theaters and art cinema houses are showing it right now on their virtual cinemas as well. 
All right, Chris, we're going to take a quick little break. When we come back, we've got a couple of news items. And I'll go ahead and tease you on these, Chris, because we have not had a Marvel movie in quite some time. I have to throw out a couple of Marvel-related news items. Sorry about that for all of you (laughs) non-comic book fan, non-superhero fan. But it's been a while, so I've got to pepper something else in here for that. We'll do a couple of news items, and then we'll go to our recommendation, which I said singular, because I still don't have one. (laughs) So we will come back to Foot Candle Films in just a moment. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Alan Jackson and Chris Fry with you again from the Foot Candle Film Society and our annual Foot Candle Film Festival, which I'll go ahead and tease now, is coming up September 22nd through the 26th. Is that right, Chris? I believe so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the dates. <laughs> okay. Uh, we will verify that momentarily, but I'm pretty sure 26th through the 20, 22nd through the 26th of that September. That is correct. Good. Just, yes. That is our 2021 Foot Candle Film Festival. Uh, right now, plans are to hold it as both in-person screenings at local theater and then also with online versions of the films available as well to watch virtually throughout the state of North Carolina. So if you're in North Carolina and you'd like to be a part of our film festival in September, you're welcome to come join us in person. Tickets will go on sale in July, or you can opt to watch from the comfort of your own home, wherever you may be, and join in the festivities. It should be a really great time. We're looking to have a great selection of films and hopefully some great visiting filmmakers to come join us in beautiful Hickory in the fall of this year. All right. So, Chris, let's talk a little movie news. Okay. Uh, we've, you know, the last few months obviously the past year really we haven't had any too many big blockbuster movie releases i think wonder woman 1984 was probably the only superhero big studio thing right am i missing something else? i think you're right that was the kong one. godzilla right. kind of as another kind of offshoot of that as well but that's been about it it's been pretty slim pickings with the pandemic obviously a lot of these big movies are getting pushed back so you got to give me a, just got to give me a little rope here in saying that okay. I got to throw in a couple of Marvel Studio related news items that have just been released as of today okay. into our news segment because I think they're interesting or something worth talking about, um, and then I'll I'll return us to some art house movie news after that. Okay, <laughs> okay. let's talk first about. Um, yeah, let's talk first about a trailer that was just released today. Okay. And it was for a Marvel film that will be upcoming. It's, it'll be the one that comes out. Gosh, I guess it'll come out after Black Widow. Black Widow is currently now slated to come out in July. Okay. So this one will be coming out in February. It was supposed to be February 2021, but now it's finally coming out in September. So we're going to have Black Widow in July. Okay. And we're going to have this film in September. And it is the movie Shang-Chi and the... Ooh, hold on. There's a bigger, longer title. I got to make sure I get right on this. And the legend of the 10 rings. Gotcha. I had to make sure I got that word so right. Legend. We'll have, we're supposed to maybe have three Marvel movies because the Eternals is going to come out too, supposedly. Right? I don't know when the Eternals is supposed to okay. come out. Okay. There's a chance it may not be until December or January, 2022. Okay. I don't know. 
Gotcha. Uh, I'm, I know those are the next three, but I just don't know Sequence. timing of them. But Black Red is definitely first. Gotcha. And now with this film coming out in September, that's going to be the second one. Gotcha. So either Eternals comes out in December or it'll be early next year. Okay. That's my guess. So with that, Chris, let's go ahead and talk about this. Uh, we're going to play the trailer here for a minute. We can talk about it. But it is the first film um, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to have an Asian lead and an Asian filmmaking team. Director Dustin Daniel Cretton, who did Just Mercy uh, about a year or so ago. And then screenwriter David Callahan, uh, who did Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, but then you have Michelle Yeoh, you have Aquafina, Ronnie Chang, Tony Lung, Young. So a lot of great Asian Asian actors and uh, in the film. It'd be great to see a little uh, a little diversity and some different uh, different cultures represented in the Marvel films. You want to go ahead and watch the trailer? Let's do it. All right, we'll be right back. So that was the trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Chris, any just immediate thoughts or reactions? Are you giving to that him trailer? a bonus three rings or is it, is it seven rings or ten rings? Ten rings. It is ten. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely ten rings. Okay. I got that part right. Okay. I may have messed up everything else, but the legend of the <laughs> is the legend of the ten rings. Ten. Okay. Yes. So full ten rings. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm curious because mm-hmm. watching this film, I just recently caught up with Mulan, which was this big, you know, Disney who also owns Marvel and that whole conglomerate corporation. They put that out and they put it in theaters, but then they put it online. It was just, you know, big thing to see premium on Disney plus. And the spectacle was there, but the story wasn't really there, but mm-hmm. I could appreciate a lot of the wire work and a lot of the imagery of a lot of, you know, fighting, um, you know, sword fighting and Kung Fu fighting and that kind of thing. Um, not as much Kung Fu fighting. I guess it was a lot of sword fighting, but still that kind of 
idea of that kind mm-hmm. of genre picture. That's what this looks like to me, but it's interesting. It's modern day. So they yeah. have, you know, some scenes that look like, you know, somebody practicing in a dojo somewhere in the East, but then they also show pictures of car, fast cars driving around and buses and things like that. It will be interesting to me to see how they combine the two worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my prediction on how this film will be or how it'll be received, uh, Mortal Kombat, a film that I have absolutely no interest in and never saw the original, is being rebooted, is coming out this coming weekend. That's when we're recording this. It'll also be released on HBO Max. Um, have no interest in seeing it. But I don't think I'm the target market. I think there mm. are a lot of video game playing kids and people like that that some have nostalgia, but some just really like that whole aspect thing. I think they're going to be into it. If that movie does really well, I think this movie will do really well. Mm. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like I'm kind of pinning my hopes on that yeah, because could be. I, I just don't know if there's going to be enough original. I don't know if the story is going to be so compelling to make people be interested to just go see this just because it's a Marvel movie. And I say that because I think there's a little bit, even though we haven't had some, you mentioned we've only had Wonder Woman and we've had kind of a gap because of the pandemic. But I don't know if this is going to be interesting enough to draw people out and to get people to either go to the theater when it's released in September or see it. Um, I guess I feel like if it wasn't interesting enough property, it would have already been explored before now. Now, because I feel like they mine everything. (laughs) Now, that being said, I hope it is a chance for it to be really original and good because like you said, the, the Asian director and the Asian cast, like it's getting a lot more exposure out there for, you know, diversity in the film world. And I think that's good. Well, I just have two words for you. Okay. Black Panther. Black Panther, similar situation when it came out. A lot of people thought, oh, okay, well, it's just kind of a film. It's some character that no, they hadn't really explored before. True. Not the most popular superhero. But, well, let's just, uh, we're going to make a movie and see how it goes. And it was huge. I mean, I think it's still like the second or third biggest Marvel hit at this point. Beyond like just the big Avengers movies. That's where I think the market could be for this is I think, okay. you know, you tap into a, uh, a, a culture, a nationality, a group that hasn't been as represented in film so as think- much as they should be. And now not only are they in film and it's by a filmmaking team, but it's, it's a story of a, their, their character, you so know, there was so. that comedy that came out. I don't remember now because it's eternity since I was in a movie theater, but crazy rich. Asians. Right. And that was a huge hit too. And it, and it mm-hmm. was a huge hit and I saw it. So, maybe now it'll be that effect, but for a Marvel movie, like you're saying with Black Panther. So you're saying you think has a chance because of Black Panther. I'm thinking as Mortal Kombat. So does this go, but that's interesting. Okay. No, I think, I think, I think this film's going to do really well. Okay. I think a is going to be coming out in September, which I'm, my prediction is August, September will be the month where people start going back to the movie theaters in mass. Sure. I just think, I think we'll be to the point with vaccinations and, and overall case numbers on a daily basis to the point where everybody said, okay, we're good. We've all been vaccinated. We're all going to go to the movie theater. So anything coming out August, September, October, I think has a chance to be big. Right. And this one coming out in September, it's a Marvel movie. It's, you know, uh, I don't know. I just, and I mean, you're right. You are going to get some of the Mortal Kombat fan group just because it is martial arts, you know, presented on the film with some more fantastical elements to it, but you're also going to get all the Marvel fans and you're also going to get the Asian American fans and community as well. So I think it could be, I think it could be big. Uh, We'll see. Again, it has to be a good film. 
Sure. I mean, you know, anything's possible, but uh, I think that's that's one thing we need to keep in mind. Um, I'm excited to see it. Again, it's not a character I was ever used to growing up in the comics, uh, but I knew of him. And uh, But I'm interested to see what they do film-wise on this. Could be interesting. Okay. Um, all right, let me do my twofer, my second one on the Marvel <laughs> Studios talks. Sure. Now, technically, I'm cheating a little bit here in that this news is specifically about a Marvel TV show. However, ah. the reason I'm bringing it up here in film, uh, in our Foot Candle Films podcast, is that it, they are uh, just announced today that uh, a certain very, very high caliber award winning actress has now been tagged to join one of their Marvel series coming up. Okay. One called Secret Invasion that'll be happening over a year from now. Okay. Chris, in your wildest dreams, could you ever imagine Olivia Coleman? In a Marvel series. No. Okay. Well, you're going to. It sounds like <laughs> Olivia Coleman is joining Secret Invasion. Okay. Um, all right. Let me just give you a little you, background. I was going to say, Alan, you have history as being a little bit of a Marvel yes. person. You know kind of the story I do arc. know. So, so okay. okay. You remember the scrolls that were introduced in Captain Marvel? The ones who could look like other people? Yes. Okay. So Secret Invasion, the story is about, and I think that's what they're doing the TV show off of too. The idea that there have been scrolls, bad scrolls, living as humans on Earth for quite a while. So there are people around you that are technically scrolls that you. are these aliens. Okay. And the invasion idea is that at one point they're all going to now use their combined force that they've been invading Earth for all these years to attack. Gotcha. And so I think there is a, the series is going to be with. Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. Okay. Ben Mendelsohn, who was one of the scrolls in Captain Marvel. Yes. Um, and now Olivia Coleman, although we don't know in what part, but okay. she is uh, she is not someone I would have guessed would have been signing on to a Marvel film, but or no. a series. But is here there, she is. Is there a major superhero that plays that has a big role in the scrolls? No. I mean, no, it was, it was, when it was in the comics, it was everybody, all oh, the everybody heroes. Was it was kind of more of an Avengers thing than anything. I see. So I don't, I don't know what the plan is to re- reveal it as a series. Okay. We'll see. But I was just, as soon as I read the headline, I'm like, whoa, Olivia Coleman in a Marvel series is not something I would have guessed. Um, even, Oscar winner, Olivia Coleman. You know, they've, they've done a pretty good job of landing some Oscar winners, they you know, have. lately, but, uh, but she in particular, I just felt like, you know, she's just so Miss Independent, so Miss, you know, uh, British, uh, mm-hmm. British, she does the favorite, she does the queen, she does, you know, right. uh, now she's got the father, she's mm-hmm. nominated a film this year. Uh, it's just wouldn't have expected it, but yeah. I'm happy. I like, I love Olivia <laughs> Coleman. I think she's great. So I'm happy to see what she can bring to the, I will give Marvel this. They land really, really good actors and good directors right now. They are, they're bringing in the talent. Now, whether it can translate to good work, we'll have to wait and see. But so far, so good. Sure. Okay. Interesting. Okay. You gave me my few minutes of Marvel geek, geekdom, and I appreciate that. But let me go and bring up one last news item. Okay. Mainly because I'm just, this is a film I had not heard anything about. And I just read, uh, thanks to Variety, kind of putting up as, a, as an article in the last couple of days here that the uh, Cannes Film Festival is going to be opening with a film called Annette. Are you familiar with this at all? Okay. Yes, because it was on my list of like top 20 most anticipated movies for 2020, and it didn't come out. Okay. Um, and it's supposed to be it's supposed to be the opening night film. Is it that is right? the opening night. 
uh, Adam Driver, uh, Marion Cotillard on July 7th. It is a romantic musical film, Annette. And most mm-hmm. importantly for me, I mean, all, all that stuff's important, you know, a musical like thing. And it's like, got Adam Driver in it. We know he can sing because we saw him do it in Marriage Story. And he's just good. Marion Cotillard, you know, she's good because she also did Levy and Rose. But that all said, you know, excited about all of that. What got me interested oh, is Leo Carax, who yeah. did Holy Motors. Holy Motors. I just saw that. Which was random movie from a while ago, but stylistic is all get out. He is directing it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to see you direct Adam Driver in a movie. Yes, please. So, and it's a musical. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, the description of the film is set in contemporary Los Angeles. Stars uh, Adam Driver as Henry, a stand-up comedian with a fierce sense of humor who falls in love with Anne, played by Cotillard, a world-renowned opera singer. And under the spotlight, they form a passionate and glamorous couple with the birth of their first child, Annette, a mere mysterious little girl with an exceptional destiny. Their lives are turned upside down. That is about as uh, teasing a description as I can imagine for a film. So I have no idea where this film is going. Knowing it's the director of Holy Motors, I absolutely have no idea where this film is going to go. Uh, and I love Adam Driver. I do like Marion Cotillard. I, I, as soon as I read this and read, I honestly just knew about this film today. I'm like, yes, count me in on board. The only thing that makes me sad about it, I, I want to see it, but I will say, I don't know if it's a curse because last year, I don't think the 2020 film that was supposed to be there was going to be, um, the French Dispatch. Oh, right. And by Wes Anderson. And then that, you know, I don't I don't know when that's ever coming out. So hopefully this will actually premiere at Cannes and then we'll actually get to see it. As well as maybe someday <laughs> the French Dispatch. Um, yeah. So there's a trailer out for Annette okay. you know, with that, which I'll need to watch. I have not seen anything about it yet. So. I don't know if I want to or if I should. I know. Yeah, I'm kind of. Kind of wondering myself. So, but with his movies, actually, I feel pretty safe that I can probably watch it. It's not going to really spoil anything. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, I'm very excited about that. I think that's uh, going to be interesting. So, absolutely, opening the Cannes Film Festival on July 7th. So we'll have to see when the film is available in other theaters or however it gets distributed later in the year. So we'll keep an eye out that one for sure. All right. Well, that is all the movie news I have to share on this episode, Chris. I mean, there's a lot of other things happening in the movie news world, but those are the three items that caught my attention this past week. So So if we don't have anything else there, it is time to move on to our final segment, which is our recommendations. Yes. Again, as I've mentioned throughout the episode here, I have none. (laughs) So I have not seen anything this past week other than the two films that we have reviewed. And, uh, so you did actually see those. You weren't just making things up. I wasn't. (laughs) Okay. Um, excellent. I mean, and, and no offense to stray, but I probably (laughs) easily could have made up a review for that. Uh, (laughs) sorry. I just, uh, just, yes. That's go see it still. Go see it. Support the foot candle online cinema. Please go see it. Just, just know I, I, I didn't get a lot from it. Um, so Chris, I'm going to have to punt and ask you, do you happen yeah. to have two recommendations by I chance? Do. Oh, I do. good. Excellent. So, um, in kind of keeping with our episode this week, one will be kind of an out there comedy okay. and then the other one will be a documentary. Perfect. So first, up, I like keeping it in the theme. So that's so good. First up, let me read you the description of the film. I'm going to recommend. I don't want to tell you the title yet. Okay. After losing his parents, a priest travels to China where he inherits a mysterious ability that allows him to turn into a dinosaur. 
At first horrified by this new power, a hooker convinces him to use it to fight crime and ninjas. All right. I could, let me come up with a title for this film, okay, based okay. on that description. Velocipaster. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've actually heard of it. Yes, so, yes, yes go ahead. Yes. <laughs> um, so, this is a random kind of B-movie, um, but it is done in the style of we know this is not a high budget movie mm. and we're going to have a heck of a lot of fun with it. So are there any actors in this movie you ever heard of? No. Okay. Um, but it was so much fun. You kind of know what you're in for. Kind of like with Barb and star go to Vista Del Mar. It is mindless. It is crazy, but I had a lot of fun with it. It's by uh, director. Brendan steer came out in 2018. I think it played some, like small, like horror film festivals. And they went to like online video. Wow. Um, but I enjoyed it a lot. Um, they have a character in there, you know, stereotypical, like evil guy. His name is Frankie mermaid. And so Frankie mermaid, Frankie mermaid, enjoying and embracing all the stereotypes that you might think a character called Frankie mermaid would be like, just, I mean, it just absolutely knows what it is and embraces it. And I, I enjoyed it. And even better, um, you can stream it on uh, Crackle or Hoopla, both of which are free movie yep. services. So, you know, you're not paying anything. So, hey, yes. why not check it out? It's kind of fun. Velocipaster. Velocipaster. Now, urban legend goes that the writer-director um, was, you know, he was opening up his screenwriting software, and he was going to write a movie called Velociraptor. Okay. And somehow Mr. Brendan Steer's computer kind of auto-corrected it to Velocipaster somehow. And he just like thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. And so he's like, well, that's going to be my movie then. And so then he proceeded to write the Velocipaster. So so Siri autocorrection (laughs) basically created this movie is what you're telling me. Even if that's not true, it's such an amazing I'd stick with the story even if it wasn't true. It's totally worth watching the film. Velocipaster. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Chris, you know, The challenge was uh, recommend a film more bizarre than Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, and you have accomplished there that. So congratulations. What is the second recommendation, the one on the documentary side yes. you want to share with us? So, um, and I am kind of shocked. You may have seen it, but you haven't mentioned it on the show. Um, it's called 7852, and it's uh, a documentary that was shot by Alexandre Philippe. And it's referencing oh. 78 shots and yes. 52 cuts that changed the Psycho. cinema world forever. Yeah. Correct. It's the, the famous murder scene. scene specifically that comprises 78 camera settings, 52 cuts. That was the shower scene in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. So it tells the story a little bit of Alfred Hitchcock and what he was trying to do and why he had to do it the way he did it. But then also brings in Peter, people like Guillermo del Tormo, Eli Roth, uh, Peter Bogdanovich, all these directors, and even people like Danny Elfman, just a, you know, just tons of famous people commenting on either what the movie meant to them or how they were inspired by it or the genius of it. And it was really neat just to hear. You wouldn't think something focused in on such a short... I mean, it's a 91-minute movie, so it's an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But still, just investigating that one specific scene, not even glamorizing an entire movie, just a scene. Um if you like Alfred Hitchcock, if you're a movie buff, if you're interested in behind the scenes type things, I, I recommend the documentary. And it's it's streaming on uh, Hulu. So seventy eight fifty two. Streaming on Hulu. Mm-hmm. It's from two thousand seventeen. So yes. it's been out a couple of years now. And uh, yeah, you know what? I this is gonna sound really bad. I feel like I've seen it. <laughs> 
Okay. But I honestly can't remember if I honestly have seen it or I've just read and seen so much about the making of Psycho that I feel like I've seen it. Well, there, there you go. So that could be the case. All right. But either way, I'm going to go back and check it out and see if maybe I had seen it or need to see it. Okay. Yeah, because that is exactly at my wheelhouse. Uh, in my wheelhouse, you know, Psycho is one of my my top favorite films. I actually had to for a student film I did in college. I recreated the the shower scene like exact shot by shot. Excellent. Except using a teddy bear and my brother uh, in in place of you know the two people from the film. So uh, I, I definitely love this movie and love this scene. So I, I need to I need to find out if I saw that documentary or not. Did you get the whole 78 shots of 52 cuts? I think I came pretty darn close. <laughs> okay. Pretty darn close. I tried to mimic it and timed it to the music and everything. So it was awesome. very, very close. Awesome. Okay, good. Well, thank you for those two recommendations. Pastor, which I just, I'm going to keep saying because I love saying that name. Sure. And uh, 7852, Velociraptor, you can see, uh, you said Crackle. And, um, and it's the free library service. Library service. service. That's Hoopla. Hoopla. Yeah. You can see it for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 7852, if you're a Hulu subscriber, you get it for free. Absolutely. If you have a Hulu account. Okay, Chris. Well, I think we are done for the episode. Thank you for providing the second recommendation. That sure. you know no kept problem. our kept our show in balance without me throwing it off the tracks by me not having one. You know, totally fair. You brought in all the news items. So I did. That's true. You know, we, we we both contributed here, which is good. Uh, as a reminder, we reviewed the films Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, which I am in love with, and Chris <laughs> also really liked. So we both gave positive reviews to. We reviewed the documentary Stray, which. I did not connect with and did not find as much of value for me there, but Chris had a much a higher opinion of it and some positive things to say. Still worth checking out, I think, if you sure. have the opportunity, especially on the Foot Candle online cinema. Uh, and then we talked about the latest Marvel trailers and uh, addition of Olivia Coleman to their cast of characters in the near future. And then uh, also the latest uh, starring, uh, um, shoot, uh, Marianne Cotillard, and Adam Driver, that's going to be opening the Cannes Film Festival, talking about that one as well. Uh, Annette, correct? All right. And then, of course, Chris's recommendations. So lots of good stuff in this episode. Chris, if anybody has any thoughts, feedback, ideas, comments to share, how can they do so? You can send us an email to info at footcandle.org. You can follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm. Alan and I are on Letterboxd. Uh, you can track what we're seeing there. Sometimes we write short reviews. Alan mentioned that our film festival is happening September 22nd through the 26th. So if you're a filmmaker, consider submitting a film on Film Freeway, or you can just come and join us for the Foot Candle Film Festival here in Hickory, the 22nd through the 26th. Last but not least, uh, if you like this podcast, consider giving us a star rating, write a review, share with friends on iTunes to help us reach new listeners. We'd appreciate it. We're also iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. All right. Lots of ways to listen to us and follow us and get in touch with us. So until next time, uh, this is Alan Jackson and Chris Fry with the Foot Candle Film Society, Foot Candle Film Festival, uh, thanking you, and we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Take care. See you in the ticket line.
Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.